0: Hi there and welcome to The Brave, the podcast about the people, companies, systems and ideas that are contributing to creating a better future. I'm your host and Vincent and episode to episode we chat to interesting guests doing interesting things. That's the basic premise here. This episode, I've been talking to Joe Wellstead, who is the CEO and founder of Motion Nutrition. Now, Motion Nutrition um, offer a range of supplements, which Joe has kind of developed, and we get into a little bit of the story behind the business. And the reason I wanted to talk to Joe is he produces a lot of content around kind of optimising your health. which is what you would expect from a supplements company but specifically around sleep as well which I've got to be honest is an area I personally struggle with Um, I'm a bit of an insomniac it doesn't help that I have two cats who love waking up and playing on my feet every morning at about 4am but anyway that aside so I really wanted to chat to Joe about kind of two aspects both kind of improving your sleep and and what the research kind of suggests around that but also kind of how he's built motion nutrition and dealt with the kind of there's a lot of stigma around the supplements industry and the kind of performance of products It's not particularly regulated industry. And I I was just kind of fascinated by Joe's kind of approach of being a very positive, a very kind of outcomes focused company, but also operating in this area, which has kind of a lot of sketchiness. So I asked him a couple of difficult questions in this episode, which is quite interesting, actually. So I really hope you enjoy it. Please stay listening and I'll cut to the chat with Joe.
1: My name is Joe Wellstead. I'm a former professional swimmer, uh, now entrepreneur, co-founder and CEO of Motion Nutrition. And our whole thing is to help people stress less, sleep deeper and have more energy.
0: Sounds good. (laughs) Sounds like I need that. Um, Brilliant. And you've obviously kind of, if you've been on a bit of a journey with Motion Nutrition, so could you tell us a bit about kind of where the idea for the business came from and a little bit about how you kind of translated that into action and into a business?
1: Yeah. So as an athlete, supplements were really important. Uh you know, when you I was training about 25 hours a week, um so three meals a day is just not enough fuel. It's as simple as that. So supplements were a big part of my uh life. Um but I was always frustrated by the types of products available. It seemed so this is sort of 2010 to 2014 uh and it seemed that supplement brands were interested purely in performance but had no interest or just seemed not to care in general about your health so so long as you got a little bit stronger a little bit more muscly a little bit quicker or whatever your performance was you know everything was fine and I think that's okay with certain types of athletes Uh, and you know clearly uh, drug cheating is a thing in sports so we're willing to take you know people are willing to take corners uh, and perhaps take risks to their later health to be able to win and, and improve today. But that was not my my style. I always wanted to improve my f- performance and health hand in hand. And that's how I've always viewed performance. Um, I've always viewed reaching my best performance as something that was a result of being in the he- best possible health. So as, as, a stand- as a starting point, that was quite difficult for me to take supplements just full of crap. So I, I had this frustration. Um, and then a few years later... Uh, 2015, I was talking about this with my co-founder and we thought, well, clearly supplements are taking a much bigger, uh, space in the world today. They're not just for elite athletes. They're not just for high performance athletes, not just for weightlifters, bodybuilders, this kind of thing. So why is it that the products haven't changed? And they really hadn't changed yet at this point. And so we thought, let's see if it's possible to make really, really genuinely healthy products that would improve people's performance like today, but also improve their health long-term rather than you know most supplements you think you'd take sports supplements anyway you take today and you go like "Mm, maybe I shouldn't take this long-term because it might have secondary effects that's not what we wanted to do we've always wanted to be the guys that would help you feel better today and be healthier as a result.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting, because the supplements industry, and you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but it it has a reputation. I think that's a fair thing to say at this point for, and I think I put it to you before, kind of snake oil. Um, And, you know, we know things like creatine, you know, there's actually been like proper studies behind them. And there is a performance improvement there. But, you know, a lot of it is quite kind of unsubstantiated and ripping off the consumer. So you know do you think that perception of the industry is changing and almost was that something you had to overcome as a business
1: yes but I have to answer this question in two parts I think Um, yes a big part of what our job was or and still is today is education so we take the approach of um, we're a slow fix we're not going to fix your problems overnight, We're, you know, for sleep, we don't do sedatives, we do things that are going to help you actually genuinely change your life and get really good sleep long term, every night, and you can look forward to every day. So that means that there's a big education piece in what we do. Uh, we start off by saying, you know, give us a chance for a few weeks and and see how you get on don't take it once and expect to, your your whole life to change. So that there's clearly for us always education work. Now, the industry as a whole has improved for sure, Um, but um, it's essentially shifted from sort of sports supplements, sports performance to wellness, which is kind of like a very vague term. And this has given a lot of brands uh, sort of, Veil of like, or a sort of halo effect. You know, you sort of take away the performance stuff and the the sort of guy with a six pack on the front of a, of a product, and you replace that with sort of yogi vibes and and really sort of soothing colors. and Suddenly, you're viewed as as healthier. You're also more expensive, so you must be must 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 be more trustworthy. But that's not actually always the case. There's often products that are. Very similar to performance products, they're there and they're made and they're formulated so that you feel something right now. So with an energy product, they're going to have a lot of caffeine. For a sleep product, they're going to have some sedatives. So you're going to take it the first time and go, wow, this really works. I'm going to carry on with it. But that's, you know, not necessarily the best thing for you long term.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. Because as well with your brand, um, and I've come across Joe, you know, emotional nutrition and Joe a number of times on kind of social media and um, even kind of researching solutions for myself. I think what struck me was a lot of wellness brands are very much geared towards women and they use, you know, millennial pink and certain marketing tactics and then on the other side a lot of the performance stuff is very geared towards men and like you say it's men with six packs and abs and your brand seems to kind of be very down the line quite like gender neutral and you must don't fit into either of those categories was that a really I guess that was a conscious decision on your part?
1: Yeah it was um, from the original sort of sports supplements brands what we saw was very macho very masculine and then they realized this so they went super pink super feminine but like in a sort of very cliche way and and to me um who grew up with uh two older sisters and mostly my mom at home when I was growing up I didn't see this as making sense um I, I couldn't see most women fit into either one of these profiles in a sort of everyday lifestyle context so to me it made a lot more sense to be entirely gender neutral um very easy to understand and very easy to use and from there on um it does happen that we attract more women than men but it's not we haven't we haven't gone oh let's make something girly and and that would feel really strange for us and and for the brand
0: yeah and and I noticed it because I was actually looking at your collagen in particular um and you know as a consumer and i don't know if this is interesting insight to you at all in general but you know i, I was thinking for collagen because i've got um acute tendinopathy and obviously collagen is indicated as helping improve that but all of the women's collagen brands were like skin and nails skin and nails and i was kind of like that's not my use case here you know well wellness isn't my use case or beauty isn't my use case yet you're assuming because of kind of who I am, and then you get all the targeted advertising off the back of it that I'm interested in it from that angle. So again, I think you're you're stepping away from that kind of wellness beauty area. It gives you that nice piece of differentiation. And obviously you're you're very upfront about what goes into the products. And I guess was that a risky move as a business at all?
1: Um I think the biggest risk was that we always took the stance of making, uh, prioritizing a really good product, um, and we never took the stance of prioritizing something that was super tasty, for example. So a, lo- a yeah. lot of brands in this space became successful on sort of surfing the wave of flavor because there's been really good improvements in flavorings, flavor profiles, textures, mouthfeel, this kind of thing. So you can actually make a synthetic product taste and feel fantastic. And we've never gone down that route. So it does mean that, you know, some people just don't like our products because they're expecting, because of the types of products out there, they're expecting something that tastes super sweet and super creamy or or whatever it is that they've had before. And we've been uh, as organic as possible since day one. So we don't use sweeteners, we don't use flavorings. So that does mean that if you're the right type of person, you're going to really dig it, like you're going to be into it. But if you're you know, used to having sort of strawberry cheesecake flavor supplements. There's going to be a problem there.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's really the protein world. I think heavily kind of promoted that, but eh, I don't know. And then you've got like the vegan versus like pea protein versus like you know whey protein, and I, I guess you don't have a protein supplement, do you, at the moment? Oh, you do, yeah.
1: Got a couple of organic whey proteins and a peanut butter protein powder, which is vegan.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And, it, and I guess, yeah, like you said, you kind of heavily pulled back from going down the strawberry milkshake or like chocolate banana or brownie. And yeah, I've always been skeptical of those products again from like, what are you doing to this to make this taste like this?
1: Exactly. And it's funny because the manufacturers of these products and suppliers of the ingredients always send me samples. So I can, I can get tastes of things like, about um before they come out onto the market because they always want to want us to try the latest innovation of sort of uh what they've done to the whey protein or what they've done with flavors and so and they they always really want me to be enthusiastic about it and i have to kind of, i enjoy getting the samples i enjoy knowing what's going on so i have to kind of handle these people carefully yeah great but still not for us but uh the collagen is a new product for us and um that's actually a very good example of uh the way the wellness industry kind of manipulates uh, perceptions of products because um for a therapeutic dose of collagen, so for 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 having something that's actually going to have tangible benefit, you need a 10 gram dose, uh, and daily. And and if you don't get hit your 10 grams, you're just not really going to have any of the joint benefits, or skin benefits, or hair benefits, or anything like that. And most of the supplements that you see that are sort of gel based or capsule based, you would have to take something like 12 or 20 capsules to get that 10 grams, or at least 10. So. Yeah, I mean, the patterns are repeating themselves when you look at what the sports supplements brands are doing and now what the wellness brands are doing.
0: And do you think then that the industry should be more regulated? Do you think that's the answer?
1: Um, I'm not sure because there's already, like we already have our hands tied significantly in terms of what we can say and what we're not allowed to say. And it's a real problem because we're essentially put on a par with, medicinal products in terms of what we can say on pack. So we're not quite a, we're not a food, food product as a supplement, but we're also not a pharma product. We're kind of in the middle. And so to say things like, you know, helps sleep, for example, just that alone is actually really, really difficult. And that's a real shame because we have a huge amount of data that shows that people sleep better with unplug, but because it's not been done in a pharmaceutical sort of um double blind placebo trial clinical trial with all the third party checks essentially something that costs about a million quid to do Mm. we don't have the medicinal claim of you know for example curing insomnia which is essentially what a a medicine would do so if you take something like um a melatonin uh Medication in the UK, it's a medication. It's not a supplement. If you're buying as a supplement, it's actually illegal. Um, but if you take um, a melatonin medication, this has been proven to relieve insomnia. Now, insomnia is a medical condition. So because we're a supplement provider, we cannot even use the word insomnia because that's a medical condition. So there's already a lot of rules and and regulations in place that most consumers are not aware of, but that, and, and that's kind of why you end up seeing supplement brands using quite loose terms uh, to define what their products do because we have to get around this and you can have a fantastic supplement that has, that helps thousands and millions of people every day uh, and still have to be very careful with what you say. And, and the best way to get around that for us is to rely on nutritional practitioners, health practitioners who, who have the clinical evidence in their own experience to, to recommend the right products to the right person but the, the regulations are already pretty tough. So I think it's just like any market, it's maturing and there's good players and bad players. And our job as a brand is to get the, you know, get the world to understand that we're a good player.
0: Yeah, that, that's a pretty fair and balanced answer in, in, in my eyes. Um, I just wanna go back to the sleep thing because obviously a lot of your kind of content and Unplugged is kind of one of your hero products from the outside, it looks like anyway. And you, you do a lot of content around kind of quality sleep. And as you say, you've got data and evidence from your own consumers that your product helps. But obviously sleep is a huge issue for people. Um, and I personally think it was an issue even before the pandemic and all of the kind of anxiety and depression and everything and upheaval that came with that. Is is modern life just bad for sleep?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it is. I mean... If you are sat at the dinner, dinner table with four friends, there's five of you, only one of you has no problem sleeping. So it, it's, it's everybody is affected by some kind of sleep disturbances. And it's pretty normal when you consider, you know, we spend most of our time indoors. We're not getting enough sunlight during the day. That's one thing. We're probably not eating as well as we should to feed our brain properly, to produce the right hormones at the right time of day. That's another thing, and then on top of that, we're on our screens all the time, so we're getting that blue light stimulation. But it's also the content that we're watching. So even if you're reading a book in the evening, but it's super triggering, probably not the best thing that's going to get you to sleep. If you're answering emails at 9 p.m., 9:30 9 p.m., or you're thinking about your deadlines, or you're worried about finance, or you've read read or listened to the news, I mean, all of these things are super, super like high stressors. So combined, it's not just one thing, but combined, all of these elements make our life environment really um, not conducive to good sleep so we have to have mechanisms in place to sort of downregulate these stressors in one in one instance but then on the other side we also need to actually help our body's own mechanisms to produce its own relaxation and sleep hormones at the right time of day and that's where we come in.
0: Yeah and that was going to be my my next question is so okay how does a supplement help there so could you talk a bit about how that actually works
1: well we're not going to be able to just change our lifestyle overnight and reduce all you know get rid of all our stress (laughs) well some people do but it's, it's considered pretty extreme most people are not going to do that um so with a supplement like unplug we're providing the brain with the precursors to create its own relaxation hormones and its own sleep hormones so this is very different to taking something like a medication like melatonin where you're actually just going straight in with the synthetic hormone. So when you take a melatonin supplement or medication, it's a synthetic hormone that you're just feeding into your brain and your brain goes, okay, go to sleep. But the healthier way is actually to improve the mechanisms where your brain can produce its own melatonin at the right time of day, as it should be able to, if there was no no problem, if we were living, you know, super chilled out healthy lifestyles so with unplug and with, with all of our products really it's the same with power up our daytime product we're providing um the nutrient and the building blocks for the right neurotransmitters and the right hormones um the kind of things that because of our super hectic st- and stressful lifestyles we're burning at a sort of heightened level compared to our previous generations our brain is literally using mo- a lot more energy and a lot more nutrients than uh, our parents and grandparents would have by having a more physical led lifestyle
0: and that makes sense I guess are you seeing from your customer data that sleep is becoming more and more of an issue over time or is it is it kind of like level and it's just bad but there's there's I I ask that because obviously at the moment it does feel like the world is going to hell in a handcart and I'm just wondering if that is affecting people kind of on the I know it affects me Bloody hell, I'm struggling to sleep at the moment.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, sleep figures and statistics were bad in 2018, and they're worse in 2022. Um, so, you know, things were not great to start with, and things were getting worse because of how we live our lives. And then you have two years of doing all of your work behind the screen, isolated a lot of the times, um, and super stressful news. You know, pandemic, um, war in Europe, uh, you know, increased cost of living, uh, a lot of people unsure about their job safety. Uh, these are all super stressful things and all exactly the kind of things that get in the way of being able to relax and get good sleep. Uh, and everybody across all different generations are feeling this. You know, Kids are feeling it as much as parents as, and, and even an even older generation. Everybody's affected by increased stress levels.
0: Yeah, because you do have a specific product for children, don't you? And are you seeing increasing demand for that?
1: Well, it's a brand new product. So it's Unplugged Kids' Bedtime. A lot of customers who are buying Unplug were asking if they could give it to their children. Uh, and this is not a new thing, but it, it was, yeah. we're seeing more and more of it recently. Uh, and so at first, when people first started asking us this, we were, the answer has always been no with Unplug, and, and we were quite cautious about getting into the kids' space. Um, but eventually we realized, well, people really trust the brand. People believe in Motion as, as a brand. There's, uh, we're not huge, but we do have really good relationships with our customers, and they believe in the new products that we bring out to the market, and they're asking us to help their kids sleep. So then we thought okay like let's look at this properly and let's see if we can do something that's of course not a sedative that's just going to help uh sort of get ready for bed help calm down and and get nice and chilled out for bedtime help sleep but also we we made we made sure that it was going to be a development aid as well so helps with skeletal mineral mineralization uh so essentially bone growth uh helps with immunity as well so these are the kind of things that you know, as a parent, you should feel good about giving to your kid. Just like um, you know, we're not we're not in the business of quick fixes for people. Uh, it's the same for for our kids' product. We made sure that it was actually beneficial, not just to sleep, but also to development.
0: And I assume you do do some testing with the products and the formula with the formulations as well. So you know, it's not like you're get, even though you can't be kind of clinic, you can't have clinical trials you're still giving people something that is attested.
1: Yeah. And we're very careful with the uh, level of ingredients we're giving to kids. It, it's very much on the safe side, but it's very much on the um, therapeutic dose side, you know, just enough that it's going to have an effect without having any sec- any, any sort of worries or sort of potential secondary effects.
0: Mm. And I just want to change gear a little bit, just because I've got, I kind of got you in this conversation. I've got you in the room. And um, this is kind of my selfish marketeer hat on a little bit, because obviously, we're hearing a lot about um, your D2C brand. I know you do have listings with kind of suppliers as well. But you, your primary sales mechanism is online through your site. Um, and the whole D2C industry is talking about this kind of D2C apocalypse and funding's drying up. And it's been driven by a bit of fear mongering around the funding drying up. But also people are seeing conversion rates drop and site traffic drop and Google updates. And is is this something that you're seeing on the ground? Is it something you're thinking about, you're concerned with, or do you feel it's just fear mongering?
1: Um, no, I think everybody should be concerned and careful at the moment. Uh, there's i think pressures both on the consumer side and on the supply side and on the marketplace acquisitions space so everybody should be careful that the only I think the only guarantee of what's happening in the future is that prices are going up <laughs> you know if that's short to medium term anyway um, it's very difficult to have any visibility of what's going to happen other than things are getting more expensive and so that affects everything and if you've been operating the type of business where you know you're spending 150 pounds to acquire one customer and this is pretty common in in the health space and you're selling them a product that's sort of 30 or 40 pounds and you're banking on the fact that they're going to repeat purchase five or six times to just to start making money off that customer that's a very very worrying place to be because it's fine so long as you're getting loads of funding but when that funding dries up which it has um you might want to think carefully about and i'm sure everybody is thinking carefully about how it pans out in time
0: yeah i've i mean you know like in my own kind of professional discipline i've always been super sceptical of stuff where people don't understand their CAC, they don't understand their LTV, and it's just spend, 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 like you say, with that kind of hope that that return's coming in. But it's, it, some people don't even model it out. I think that's the thing that scares me the most. And those are the people who are super exposed because they don't understand the impact on their metrics at all.
1: So we were never the um, a, a type of brand that was super heavily funded and, you know, spending... Uh, inordinate amount on acquisition, but we we did have a fair amount of funding and it 's easy to just assume that the numbers are going to carry on looking good and and you can just flip the switch and spend less in, on ads and become profitable overnight it 's not that easy uh, and and banking on customer loyalty um, and, and I say this as somebody who has a trusted brand, I, I, but banking on customer loyalty is difficult. Uh, and, you know, people can love your product, love your brand, but you're probably not that unique. Uh, and people's motivations are probably more financially driven than you think.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I I'd absolutely agree with that. No, It's just interesting to get a view from someone who's actually building a brand in this space. And I think, and again, you know, you go on Twitter, you go online, it's a bit of an echo chamber of everyone kind of saying the same things. So, yeah, it's it's refreshing for someone to be like, no, like this is actually a problem and this is the good reasoning behind it. So, no, I appreciate that. If want, people wanted to find out more about Motion, more about you, because I know you po- you post a lot of really great stuff on LinkedIn as well. That's kind of about building the business. Where can they find you?
1: Definitely LinkedIn. Uh, I'm Joe Wellstead. Uh, Instagram, Joe Wellstead and Twitter, Joe Wellstead as well. I, I really enjoy Twitter. I find it a great place to chat and meet people. I've met a lot of people there. And we're at Motion Nutrition on Instagram as well, uh, where, yeah, we like to talk about our products, but also general lifestyle tips and what's helping people.
0: Brilliant. And those links for anyone listening will be down in the show notes. So, Joe, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Bethan thanks so much for listening i hope you enjoyed that conversation as you can tell i was kind of getting into the nitty-gritty there but um i think that's what this podcast is all about to be perfectly honest so if you want to find us online um my name is and vincent i'm that on all kind of social channels from twitter to tiktok now which is kind of interesting i run open velocity which is a marketing strategy consultancy if you want to find out more about that just google open velocity and then finally the brave we have this podcast we also have a newsletter as well which is on substack it will be linked in the show notes if you want to head on over there um i've taken a bit of hiatus from doing the podcast because trying to grow a business and doing a podcast newsletter can be a bit much but we're getting back into it now so please do subscribe and finally if you enjoyed this episode i would love it if you left us a review either a star rating or a review Both is preferable. One or the other will do. Um, And that just helps me get some feedback on the podcast. But also it helps us kind of improve in the rankings, podcast rankings, so we get more listeners, so we can spread the word about the brave and all of that fun stuff. I will leave it there. I hope you have a fantastic day, whatever you're doing, while you're listening to this, and I will speak to you soon.